This is a podcast by the Business Times. Hi there, everyone. I'm Genevieve Kuo, Wealth Editor of the Business Times. First, let me greet you a Happy New Year with the first episode of Wealth with BT for 2022. This round, I'll be looking into the market forecasts and expectations for 2022. As you well know, the start of a new year marks the time when bank strategists and advisors trot out their market outlook. What types of shifts should you make to your portfolio, if at all? First, let's look at how the market finished in 2021. And it's surprisingly well, despite a sharp plunge early in the year and the ongoing pandemic. The U.S. market did spectacularly well based on the S&P 500 index, which finished the year with a 28% return. Global stocks based on the MSCI World Index returned 22%. But Asian stocks didn't fare as well, and neither did fixed income or bond investments. In this episode, I'm going to round up the major investment themes or concerns of 2022 and look into how you can be positioned to remain on an even keel and still reap a return in the long term. The first theme is inflation, which suddenly spiked in the last few months of 2021. Inflation is actually closely tied to the second theme of higher interest rates. But let's tackle inflation first. We have become so accustomed to low inflation that it's startling when inflation rears its head in the economic data. In November, Singapore's Consumer Price Index rose 3.8% on a year-on-year basis, compared to 3.2% in October. A big factor in this rise is private transportation, which includes the price of cars. Private transport inflation rose nearly 18% in November. But electricity and gas also bear some of the blame. This component of the CPI rose 10% in November compared to 7.8% in October. It's well reported that rising fuel prices and the global energy crunch have put the squeeze on electricity providers here, some of whom have bowed out as the high cost of energy made it difficult to sustain fixed-rate contracts. This crunch has sparked a major consolidation in Singapore's retail electricity market. To put this inflation trend into context, Singapore's annual inflation rate in 2020 was negative, and between 2017 and 2019, it was around half a percent a year. But the spike in inflation isn't confined to Singapore. In December 2021, U.S. inflation clocked in at 7%, the biggest annual gain in 39 years, or since 1982. Here is what has happened. Higher vaccination rates in 2021 were a green light for economic activity to resume, and consumer demand soared. But this has run against a bottleneck in global supply chains, which were unable to keep up, hence the markedly higher inflation rate. Looking ahead in 2022, most strategists believe inflation will begin to moderate as supply chain bottlenecks are expected to ease. But with COVID-19 still raging, the recovery is likely to be uneven. The second big theme in markets is the impending hike in interest rates this year. Does a tighter monetary policy signal a turning point in markets? With the benefit of hindsight, global equities have been in a bull market 
since the lows of the 2008 global financial crisis, thanks to very proactive central bank policies. Central banks cut interest rates to nearly zero to help the recovery. The excess liquidity had no place to go but to markets. Since the surge of COVID-19, which threatened economies, central banks, led by the U.S. Federal Reserve, have been supportive as well, with both monetary and fiscal measures. But all this looks set to change. At the end of 2021, the Fed signaled that it would pivot towards a tighter or more hawkish stance. This year, it is likely to raise short-term rates and to begin to pull back on asset purchases. With the latest inflation data, the Fed is now expected to raise interest rates sooner in March. To date, strategists at major banks are expecting three to four interest rate adjustments in the U.S. this year, and perhaps another three hikes in 2023. Why is this significant? Higher interest rates have a potentially negative impact on the economy for a few reasons. The cost of credit rises for businesses, for example, and this may cause companies to hold off expansion plans. For consumers, the cost of borrowing also rises, and this also causes them to spend less as they feel the pinch of higher interest costs. What about the impact on asset markets? On a simplistic level, Higher interest rates are seen as negative for stocks and also cause bond prices to fall. But here's the thing: nothing is cast in stone, and the expected direction of markets is a function of many factors. For now, strategists believe that even as the Federal Reserve has signaled the likelihood of rate hikes this year, it will watch the economy closely, and may even ease off the rate hikes if the economy is at risk. After all, COVID-19 remains a threat. Among the many outlook presentations in the current period, here's what DBS believes: given the strength of inflationary pressures, real interest rates, which is the nominal interest rate minus inflation, are actually negative around the world. In the U.S., the real interest rate is minus six percent, and this is positive for economies and for markets. HSBC Private Bank tells investors to position for what it calls solid mid-cycle growth, which favors equities. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. The third theme is the search for income in markets. This theme is resonant. And is unlikely to wane, especially as an aging population and very low interest rates drive demand for income assets. In Singapore, a deposit account pays you less than one percent a year. When you invest in equities, the total return has two components: capital appreciation and income. The size of the dividend or income component can be pretty substantial, especially for Asian equities. Including Singapore and Taiwan, over a period of five years, the dividend component may be up to half of the total return. As for bonds, when you invest and hold to maturity, you get the assurance of an income or coupon and your principal back, provided the issuer is creditworthy. The trade-off here 
is that while bonds give you a steady income, you do not participate in the issuer's growth, unlike inequities. The key in income investing is not to overreach for income, which occurs when you invest in something with a high yield, but you fail to take into account the risk. There is a common saying in investments that there is no free lunch, and that is true. Where the reward is high, the risk is also most likely high. In Singapore, it's worth mentioning REITs, which are a staple in income investors' portfolios. As of January, Singapore REITs were trading at a current yield of just under 6% and a forward yield of about 6.5% on average. But you will have to be discerning on the sector you choose, such as office, retail, or industrial. The fourth theme that I'd like to tackle is technology. This sector has seen tremendous appreciation in the last decade. Today, digital is so pervasive that it has become a big component of major indexes. In the MSCI World Index, the top holdings are the big tech stocks like Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. If you look specifically at the MSCI World Information Technology Index, the return since inception in 2000 is about 9% a year over a period of around 21 years. But most of the return was generated in the last five years, where the annual return is nearly 30% a year. Over the past three years, it is even more stunning, at 40% a year. There is now fresh scrutiny over tech valuations because there is supposed to be an inverse relationship between higher interest rates and tech stock values. That is, the higher the interest rates, the lower the value of the stock. This is based on a valuation approach, which projects future earnings or income and uses a discount rate to derive a current value. An era of zero or very low interest rates means the discount rate is also very low. This would magnify the value of a stock. But if the discount rate rises, then tech stock values today would have to adjust downwards. But based on analysis by Morningstar, this inverse relationship between interest rates and the stock market hasn't necessarily held, even when it runs scenarios of rising interest rates. Its analyst believes that this may be because the tech expansion has been so exceptional over the past two decades that it has more than overcome the downward pull of any rise in rates. Here's the thing. Technology is so much a part of economies and business that even if you just invest in a global index fund, the tech exposure is as much as 24%. Many of the sub-themes within the tech space are secular growth themes like cybersecurity, cloud computing, and digital payments. Let's go back to your portfolio. What are the implications of these themes or concerns? Basically, there are a couple of pieces of advice that strategists dispense today. One, brace for volatility. Given that central banks are pivoting towards a tighter policy stance, there is always the question of whether they are behind the curve. If so, too much tightening too soon could choke off economic growth, which is negative for risk assets. Two, adjust your expectations downwards. 
So far, private banks continue to project a positive outlook for stocks. That is, they still have a risk-on call for risk assets, but expect a single-digit return from global equities instead of the double-digit returns we've recently seen. Three, because of the many unknowns like interest rate hikes and the progression of COVID-19, it's sensible to be diversified. This means to hold assets that are not highly correlated with each other. This makes your portfolio more resilient should the market suffer big drops. As for timing the markets, that's very hard, and even experts fail to time their entry and exit successfully. The sensible approach is to invest regularly, which enables you to dollar-cost average your exposure. This means that when you invest a fixed amount regularly, you buy fewer shares or fund units in a rising market and more shares in the down market. In my experience interviewing fund managers over many years, here's something I have observed. Optimism pays in the long run. Fund managers were optimistic through the dark months of the 2008 financial crisis, through the European debt crisis and taper tantrums, and more recently through COVID. If you stay engaged in markets, be diversified and tune out the noise, your portfolio will most likely benefit from economic growth and earnings in the long term and keep ahead of inflation. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And again, I wish you the best of 2022. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.